Hello, and welcome to a new season of Something Rotten. This is a little different than things we've done in the past, because, Blake, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time that we haven't just done two games in a franchise, right? Well, no. Very first season was Max Payne 3. It was one game. Okay, that's true. (laughs) But this is the first time that we're we're doing a series on two uh, pretty disconnected games that are connected uh, instead of by by fiction or by character, uh, but by studio. Because this is our Ninja Theory season. And so we are starting out with a little game called DMC, Devil May Cry. And uh, and then we're going into a game completely different uh, called Hellblade. Yeah, so, okay, here's the thing, Jacob, I've been wondering about. And, you know, maybe I'm, I'm speaking too early, but I'm playing DMC, as you know, and it feels rotten. Hellblade, though, I keep wondering, is Hellblade going to be rotten? Because I've played it before, and I know it deals with some 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 scary and sad things, but I don't remember it being particularly rotten. Well, it's they're two very different uh, definitions of the word, you know, where sure. where DMC is rotten because it's like I don't know, it's a game where the big demon boss is like fucking his demon wife and yeah. you like shoot a news anchor in the chest and there's evil soda and hellblade <laughs> i think is rotten because it is a game about like you know the the impacts of like violence and trauma on a person right so like they're both there are both themes that we've talked about in the past but it is funny that we're pairing these two because like they're about as different as two games could be while being made by the same studio and both featuring characters who use swords. Okay, so follow-up question. Mm-hmm. DMC to Hellblade. Mm-hmm. Has the developer had a more radical shift than those two games being direct follow-ups to each other? Or Hellblade being a direct follow-up to DMC? Ninja Theory is so weird. And and part of, part of what I want to talk about on this first episode, where we are nominally talking about DMC, is just, like, what a strange studio this is in terms of, yeah. like, their, their kind of career trajectory. Because, yeah, in terms of subject matter, in terms of scale, you know, in terms of just, like, the amount of money in a project, c- could not be more different and it's not like you know it's like the same leads basically you know it's like the same people are working on both games uh but it's bananas (laughs) tone too i mean i i think you know in in a couple weeks we will talk about hellblade Mm -hmm. and probably some of the writing on whether or not it did it's uh representation like mental health well or not and, you know, there, there's a lot of people on both sides who have a lot of good points about that. But I do think... A lot of good people on both sides, says Blakester. <laughs> Shut up. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think, like, it was trying to destigmatize like, mental health in video game narratives in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And that's admirable, you know? Yeah. Much respect. But when you play DMC, it is fucking nuts that that's the studio that made the valiant effort. Because, I don't know, we'll get into it, but it's crazy to me. It, it's like playing playing DMC. Here's a big claim to start out with, uh, because I know how strongly we both feel about these ga- this game. But, like, Metal Gear Rising vibes, right? Yeah. You know, it, I, I mean, I was just thinking about the fact that it's like, you know, those two games came out relatively close to one another 
In yeah. Metal Gear Rising, you end by killing a United States senator. In this, the halfway oh, yeah. point is killing a Fox News host. You know, it's like they're both pretty overt with with kind of their themes and like what they're going yeah. for. I do think, despite how, uh, and this is something we talked about on our Metal Gear Rising retrospective many years ago for Game Query. Not sure if you can even listen to that anymore. Um, Despite that game being politically confused at best, often, Mm -hmm. uh, I do think it was a smarter game than this one, which definitely seems like it has a one-track mind with its its politics here, uh, while also being dumb as hell <laughs> just just dumb as hell which i you know i think is 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 pretty par for the devil may cry course here's something that we're going to talk about in this series i know i say devil may cry weird i know i put the emphasis on like may instead of cry are you trying to get ahead of this because of the rayman situation <laughs> because i've been absolutely roasted for my pronunciation of ray man um i've just like i don't know why i say devil may cry and not devil may cry uh but devil may cry. D- listener okay. just get used yeah. to it um have you played any of the other or i guess did you play any of the prior dmcs before this one i definitely played one probably not to completion but mm-hmm. my friend sam in grade school like third grade was huge into this shit um, and we just thought Dante was the sickest dude right. ever. So I know I played that one for sure. I don't think I played DMC 2, 3, or 4. Mm-hmm. Though I will say, despite the controversies around 2, namely it being dog water, <laughs> yeah. I do remember as a kid thinking it had the coolest box art, which now that I like think back, I think it was just like a profile shot of Dante's face. But I think it. Oh, looked... it's just Dante's face with yeah, like the white hair over one eye. Or yeah, something. but you know what it? You know what it? I think it's like I think it's like a CG render, and I think it just looked so good for the time that I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, <laughs> but uh, never never played it, and I've not played three or four to my knowledge. Yeah, so I started. I started with I'm looking three. At it now. <laughs> I played. Hey, it's kind of cool. Um, I started with three. I played three on the on the PS2, and uh, and then I played four, and I was actually really big into four. Um, but I mean, as as many people know, Devil May Cry as a series is essentially like a spinoff of our favorite game, Resident well, Evil Four. It's not a spinoff. It, it, it's a, it's an outgrowth. You know, it exists sure, yeah, because it's a cyst. <laughs> People were trying to make Resident Evil 4 and were like, wait, this is too cool to be a Resident Evil game. And so instead made DMC. Is that like your understanding of what happened? Well, I think I think what it is, maybe bug isn't the right word, but like an unintended something in the production of Hideki Kamiya's version of RE4. Um, RE4 had, I think, three different directors, including Shinji Mikami, who mm-hmm. ultimately got that thing out the door. Um you know, Kamiya was making this more, like, cool-focused, action-focused take on Resident Evil. And at some point, I don't know if it's a bug or just something in the, like, a gray box testing area, but they had this thing where they could juggle an enemy right, in right, the right. air. Yeah. And, and so, like, when it was kind of decided that, hey, this is not the version RE4 needs to take... They started to take some of those ideas, specifically this, like, juggling enemies in the air thing, 
and it, it in its own twisted way birthed Devil May Cry, which is interesting to think birthed this genre even though i know the lore of devil may cry in my head it's like yeah it goes back way further like Mm -hmm. ps1 probably there were style it's like no actually it was like not until like you know the ps2 that this whole genre even started which is crazy i don't feel like you hear about births of genres very often post like yeah post like the ps1 era Mm -hmm. you know first of all uh could you imagine if juggling was still in resident evil 4 (laughs) that would be the only thing that could make that game better (laughs) you know i i think like i mean this is kind of beside the point of the question but i do think it is an unfortunate part of video game history that we don't have a lot of footage of the early resident evil 4s yeah. given how important that game is yeah i mean we have there's the footage of the fixed camera one where there's like the yeah. ghost hook hand guy uh but but none of none of this one um but yeah i mean i think you know as as with most kind of modern video game genres you can certainly see games back in the day that sure. were doing things that like led to this but yeah this this genre of like what a lot of people call character action what i like thinking of as spectacle fighters because it's like the genre where looking cool is the important part and not not just like beating the enemies of like you know dark souls is maybe a character action game but it is certainly not a spectacle fighter you know like in in terms of that is 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 a genre i love so much and yet, really, you have Devil May Cry, you have Bayonetta, and then you have, like, a couple other random games in it. Like, it's such a small, yeah. you know, it's like, well. God of, you know, because the other side is, like, hack and slash games. And it's like the early God of Wars maybe tread that line, but they're, like, they're not as technically demanding. And that's kind of maybe where some of the, the controversy of the gameplay of yeah. DMC comes in is, like, is it more like a is it is it walking back more towards like the hack and slash genre versus the you know super technical whatever how do you feel about like the wonderful 101 as a character action stylish action game oh for sure yeah or near automata near i think is it has like the aesthetics of it but i i, I maybe because it's like but it, it does have a pretty deep combo system if you want to engage with it. Yeah, I guess you just don't have to engage with it, really. You know, it's like, it doesn't feel like, you know, if someone if someone played Bayonetta and they, like, only used one weapon and, like, never jumped, I would be like, you missed the point of that game. If someone played Nier Automata and only used one weapon and never jumped, I'd be like, that's fine. You know, you un- you probably understand Nier. But I also feel like you don't have to engage with the combo system of this game dmc no but it's got a big s that's flashing you know it's like super stylish sick combo okay second question yeah because i remember joe juba who worked at game informer for probably 12 to 13 years Mm -hmm. he's a huge fan of this genre but he had very strong feelings about the genre name he hated character action and preferred stylish action right which i think i actually the more i think about it i think i agree with i don't like character action Mm -hmm. as the genre name because it feels like master chief could be in a character action game that's well that's what i'm saying and that's why that's why i like i like spectacle fighter which is doing essentially the same thing as stylish action which is saying like yeah the point here is not getting it done the point is 
being stylish creating a spectacle you know like if you wanted especially in dmc if you wanted to you could just use that big axe and every Mm -hmm. scenario would be very easy but if you did that you would be you know like making the game worse for yourself whereas you know master chief you find the most effective way of killing people and you generally do that and like halo is still pretty fun to play while doing so uh one more derailment if you'll allow because i just there's gonna be no other point other than now to bring this up yes devil may cry 5 man let's get in great fucking game let's allocate let's allocate one minute to this game uh one of the best games i think i've played in the last five years with jacob i don't know if we've ever talked about this one of my all-time favorite cutscenes in a video game. Is it really? Is it? Is it the first one? Is it the like the the van? The opening one shot of uh oh, what's his name? Nero mm-hmm. flipping around the van, fighting while the the lady whose name I don't remember is still driving at the same yeah. time, and everything's in slow motion, and they're fucking with the um the like credits in midair. Yeah. One of my favorite cutscenes in a video game. And a game full of great cutscenes, by the way. And it's like, you know, that game's running on the RE engine. I think the modern Resident Evil games look great. Some in DMC5 is still like, damn, is this the best looking game ever made? Like, when you see those characters' mm-hmm. faces, it's like, how do they look like this? And also, you know, I think playing DMC5... Out, get it out of the way. I really like this DMC. I think yep. you do as well. But... Yep. When you play DMC5, you do kind of... It's easier to understand, like, why people were mad at this specific direction. Sure. Um, anyway, let's let's get into... I guess let's talk about, like, the, you know, what this game uh, meant, like, coming out. You know, why, why they made it. Because you had Devil May Cry 1 through 4 all developed... In Japan, all handled by, like, you know, the same studio, generally, like, the same leads or whatever. And, well, I guess not the same not leads two, because, crucially. Yeah, because Kamiya didn't work on two. Is that he only worked on one? Then he went on to do the, um, like, Clover stuff, Okami and Beautiful Joe, and then left for Platinum. Oh, that's right. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it, there was another director who I think, I don't know, has ever been named that was on two. And then that's when Itsuno came on. Right. He right, came right. on to finish two. Uh-huh. And then he stuck on as the series director. I mean, Wikipedia lists Itsuno as the director of two as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think he was the finishing director. Oh, right. Yeah. It. There we go. Last yeah. six months of development. Um, mm. But they were all, they were all Capcom games. They were all, you know, made in japan was a very kind of like japanese series even though it was released and did you know relatively well in the u.s um but dmc4 sells under expectations and there is some notion from capcom that they need to kind of they they need to rebirth the series that that it needs to kind of like get a new start it needs to be a little more accessible and maybe they need to rework like the vibe of it to be more uh, you know what what they perceive as like more internationally appealing yeah i think you know the, the lore of this game specifically you're talking about i think is is, is talked about a lot but almost mm-hmm. in a vacuum and i think people forget that this was like a trend at this time in japan because like japan's game industry kind of famously hit a slump especially right. as the mobile market like 
took way off in Japan, which it's still like massive, mm-hmm. um, especially compared to America. Um, I think Asia in general, the mobile market is just so huge. You see Sega about to buy Rovio for a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, and that's actually, I think, why you get the such a big shift in like Resident Evil around like five and six. Yeah. Because they were looking at games like Call of Duty and Gears of War. It's probably why you get games like vanquish which came out around the same time which had like you know it was it was one of those like there's a lot of games where it's like japan's take on american cool yeah um i think this is actually a product of that even though it came a few years after like resident evil 5 which was one of the big shifts um Mm -hmm. that i think is kind of forgot about in this conversation is that was like an overall shift happening in japan that they have they have since like reneged on quite is that the right word reneged uh they've since gone back on quite a bit and like embraced japanese game design more with like yakuza and Nier automata mm-hmm. and all these games that have blown up recently but anyway nevertheless yeah so so they pick i mean and one of the interesting things that i found researching this is like there was i mean i remember when this game came out and it's kind of unavoidable talking about it like how pissed people were at the series redesign that they did not like the new Dante and they did not like that it was yeah. being made by a new studio and all these changes they didn't like. But one of the interesting things about it is like just how much of it was driven by, by Capcom Japan, you know, like they yeah, picked, yeah. you know, like they picked a Ninja theory. Ninja theory did not like ask to make a devil may cry you know the story the story is that capcom saw heavenly sword which was this ps3 game that ninja theory made mm-hmm. and was like they seem like they would be good at making a devil may cry and and you know like throughout development are working really closely with them there's a story about how ninja theory's first take on like their dante looked way closer to the dante of the original games and capcom was like no it needs to be completely different like you need to you need to design this man so he does not look like the guy from the original games do you think there's a conversation in capcom at any point where they're like sony santa monica's been making these god of war games that's a really interesting question you know because it's like santa monica at this point was i think they were just too big to take on like a work for hire thing it would have been fascinating to see if that would have ever happened what that game would have looked like yeah, would have directed it. Anyway, Ninja Theory is like a fascinating one because it's like I remember Heavenly Sword coming out mm-hmm. and it being like technically impressive. We, it was like it was one of those first PS3 games where you're like, damn, yeah, this that, is not a PS2 game. That in like Lair, remember Lair, the yeah. dragon game? Yeah. Uh, but they were. I I remember the story of both those games being like, wow, very impressive. Mid as hell though. I hate. Oh, I and specifically, God, why did they have to use the PS3 motion control? You know, because oh, yeah. because Lair more so. But Heavenly Sword had those sequences where you'd have to like steer an arrow into someone using yeah. the the PS3 because you know. Maybe because the Wii was so huge that they were like, we need to put motion control in things. I think by the time DMC was like in its promotional cycle and definitely coming out, I just wasn't really following video games. Mm -hmm. And so like a lot of this missed me. Retroactively, though, I'll say, could not imagine caring about the character design. It's so, like he looks dumb, man, but it's like so dumb. Original Dante also looks dumb. Yeah, I, like if you saw a dude dressed like that in public, you'd be like, "What a fucking loser!" <laughs> like you know. I, I mean, it really is. 
it really is feels similar to they shrank his shoulders making made him look soft where it's like <laughs> yeah. the things that people people would would continuously refer to him as emo dante and the criticism yeah. seemed to be that uh he expressed like kind of pain and like angst whereas original dante like never expressed any of those things and it was just like man shut the fuck up you know it's like playing this game he's not an angsty character like he's kind of annoying but he's like not you know emo is not the word that i would use to describe him um if you watch some of like the announcement trailer does have some different scenes than than the game and it shows him being tortured and it also shows him smoking a lot which is actually not something yeah. that happens in the game and so like you know maybe they revised their character a little bit but it it is it is just this instance of gamers being fucking babies of just like why yeah. does this matter at all <laughs> emo as a pejorative is so interesting like like looking back at because you know a lot of it was born from like Emo, I mean, kind of came from, like, I think the late 80s and 90s with some of the music stuff coming out, but um, mm-hmm. took a hold in at least our generations uh, with things like My Chemical Romance and Panic at the Disco and all this shit where it was, like, emo is this, like, title that was very much an insult, even though I think history has proved My Chemical Romance is one of the great rock bands of all time. Yeah, I agree, and I think it was often, at least in this case, it was, like, kind of coded gay. You know, that when they uh, were definitely. saying emo Dante, they were saying, I don't like this, like, more effeminate Dante or whatever. I think it was I think it was a bit of homophobia and also ableism because emo got tied into, like, um, you know, like, I don't want to call it a phenomenon, but, like, pe- people who cut or deal with mental health issues. Oh, sure. I remember hearing the first time I heard about self-harm, it was like, oh, these, yeah. these crazy emo kids and not, like... A, a mental you know whatever <laughs> well what's interesting now though about it is like um you know this game came out 10 years ago was announced just a little over 10 years ago mm-hmm. and in 2023 emo has been kind of reclaimed as like a cool thing when you look at like um the kind of cross-section of like soundcloud mumble core rappers <laughs> and also just the influence of like metal and emo and punk on rap mm-hmm. and like pop culture like it's kind of interesting like uh the amount of people i see wearing uh tight jeans these days is really fascinating to me the the amount of kids i see wearing them that i'm like you look like who would have bullied me in high school for doing this oh i mean it's like culture is so the cycle is so rapid now that like kids yeah. now are nostalgic for like 2008 and so it's like yeah, yeah you know it's just i think if dante like this dante was shown now like people would probably still be upset about it i think it would be less vitriolic because more people are just like attuned to like emo as a fashion aesthetic yeah. and it's more embraced these days it's like a nostalgia thing um so getting getting back to the development of this game so they they said um in, in kind of a weird thing that feels like PR messaging that is not ultimately true of the game, they said, no, this is the same Dante as in the Devil May Cry games. We're, uh. we're just rewriting his origin story. That was that was uh. kind of the the pitch, at least, you know, when they were well, like in the announcement yeah. interview, they said, you know, we're just doing his new thing. Um, and the comparisons they used, which I think are, are kind of interesting given the like reworking of him as a character are they were like we want him to be a raging bull not rocky three or we want him to be like james bond in casino royale where he's like he's like kind of unformed you know it's like like when you watch 
when you watch like a Bond movie, you know, from the 80s and it's like everyone knows who Bond is and you almost don't even have to explain it. Or like Rocky 3, he is so set as Rocky that it's like yeah. he's just a dude. Whereas in Casino Royale, it's like, oh, he hasn't quite figured out the whole Bond thing yet or whatever. And so I get I get those points of comparison, but I think that's running into they still need the character to be cool kind of at all times. And so it's hard yeah. to have him be unformed when he's still this dude who starts the game with a threesome and answers the door naked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's cool. They can compare him to whoever they want. He is Bart Simpson, though. Yes, <laughs> and they do they do the <laughs> Bart Simpson thing in the beginning of this game where yeah. he's naked and they're covering up his dick with different things. Yeah, they, they're cowards, though. They didn't show the dick. Yeah, if they had shown Dante's dick would have been a better game we don't talk enough about the fact the simpsons showed bart simpson's dick in that movie i remember seeing that in theaters and thinking is this illegal am i allowed to see this dick <laughs> um so they, wow. uh so they choose ninja theory uh ninja but ninja theory is working very closely they say this game had like a 90 person development team and like 80 of those people are ninja theory and then like 10 of them are capcom um ninja theory said that they were like going to japan like a few days a month to talk to capcom and capcom was giving them notes on like like frame level notes on combat animations and stuff so it really was a collaboration between the studios this was not ninja theory kind of being given the reins and let run free this is a total aside but I couldn't imagine. I mean, Nin Ninja Theory is based in the UK, mm -hmm. which I think is less of a big time zone change is like when I have to go to Japan. But a few days a month, that big of a time zone change must have wreaked havoc on some of their bodies. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Also, it's like, man, it could, it could have been a Zoom call. Yeah, Jesus. Um, uh, back then, it would have been a Skype call. It would have been a nightmare. Yeah. You know? I think this is uh, still the biggest game that ninja theory has ever worked on uh just in terms of like budget and and people yeah. um well probably not anymore i mean hellblade 2 might have surpassed well, that. I, we don't know it's it, yeah it's like who yeah. we really don't know but it's like you know so they had they had um heavenly sword which was for sure at least a double a game if not a triple a game it got a big release it was you know had high production values um Something that we'll talk about a lot with Ninja Theory is their performance capture, which is, uh, you know, doing motion capture and voice, you know, having the actor do everything, essentially, rather than having one person do the body and another person do the voice. They say repeatedly that Heavenly Sword was the first game to ever use performance capture, which seems kind of crazy, but also, like, based on the studio's, like, you know, continued run with it. I kind of believe it. Um, then they did Enslaved Odyssey to the West, a game that no one talks about, including in no, like, developer diaries, because I've been watching a bunch of Ninja Theory diaries. No yeah. one ever references Enslaved, but, like, I think that game is really interesting. It's like, what, what, it's it's based on something. What's the story it's based on? Is it? Is it... Well, it's, it's based on, like, like a very famous uh, Japanese novel i think that might be called like odyssey to the west or something i think it's a chinese novel or even it's, like it's a loose adaptation of journey to the west which is a chinese novel uh, published in the 16th mm. century but that game i mean 
you know, that was a game that people were talking a lot about performance capture. It, of course, stars Andy Serkis um, of Gollum fame. <laughs> and at the end of that game, Andy Serkis, there's just like a video of him and he comes up and talks about how like kids should be in school. Uh, wild they stuff. do show they do show a little bit of enslaved in one of the Hellblade uh, behind the scenes. Yes. Things. Yeah. When they're they show Andy Serkis, when they're talking but... about performance capture. And so this yeah. game, I had to go looking it does use performance capture in the same way, where it's the same actors doing voice and whatever. Uh, Capcom has released a couple of what I would call the worst edited behind-the-scenes videos I've ever seen about the <laughs> actors doing the performance, where it's like every criticism that people leveled at this game about being too edgy is true of these behind-the-scenes videos, which are almost unwatchable yep. for just actors being like, I'm Dante, he's a cool guy. <laughs> Jacob, I put a note in here at last night that you maybe haven't seen yet i'm hoping it's a fun jump scare about the production of this game is it that you're disagreeing about the dude being looking dumb no it's under performance capture oh um oh yeah 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 i know i wrote this in my notes <laughs> that alex garland worked on this game <laughs> yeah, who, it's so weird for, for people who don't know alex garland of 28 days later and ex machina and annihilation and men um good director right? yeah I mean, good director, good writer, Sunshine, uh, a movie that I love. But yeah, he worked on both Enslaved and this. Yeah, so he, he wrote Enslaved, or at least was the co-writer. He was a story consultant on Devil May Cry. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, maybe I just didn't do a good enough search for it. I could not find much on his involvement. Like, he, did, he just maybe didn't do interviews, yeah. or like, I didn't look in the right place. But like... He is very credited up front and center, which is interesting because I think in 2013, he probably wasn't that big of a name, but it's like his involvement well, was yeah, at least... Yeah, it's like, you know, 28 Days Later was a pretty huge movie. And... Yeah, but that was like Danny Boyle was the big name from yeah, that. Yeah, I, I guess, like. you know, their collaboration. I don't know. Yeah, he was... It, it is interesting that even yeah. though he's credited up front, nothing's really talking about like, oh, and we've got Alex Garland working on this game. You know, that's not that's not a yeah. point they're hitting on in interviews. Uh, this will be interesting to circle back to when we talk about the reviews. Mm -hmm. um, but Alex Garland's involvement is a little fascinating to me because I, I think like he he has the movies he's written are, are like pretty well written. Yeah. Um, I think this is one of the worst written games I've okay. played in recent I memory. I fucking disagree. Oh my god, Jacob. No. Here's, okay. I, I quit this podcast. <laughs> I I I think maybe I just disagree on very specific points, but like what when I think about people talking about this game, they're calling out like how terrible the scene is when Dante is fighting the succubus and they yell fuck you back and forth at each other. That's great. That's actually a good part. That's good. That's very. That's a funny bit. Yeah. That's very good. Uh, no, it's just it's overall a really stupid game. <laughs> like all the characters are stupid. The lines are like. I think Dante's good and everything. Are, no, I don't even think Dante's good. <laughs> I think Dante's funny. 
I think like, but like Cat. Cat is a total like nothing character. Yeah, I forgot Cat was even a character. In the- Virgil is nothing in this game. No character is anything except for Dante, who's like amusing. Virgil wears a fedora in this game. Yeah, I think like Dante is mildly amusing, and that's the highest compliment I can praise the writing in this game. Is like Dante will say something, I'll be like, ah, shut the fuck up, you dork, and I'll laugh. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I you know this is a thing where uh, in a vacuum, you're right. I I could not tell you the plot to any Devil May Cry game except sure. Dante wants to fight Virgil and you know Nero yeah. got his arm cut off and it sucks. Um, yeah. So so I guess I don't like. I really don't. I just I just don't mind. You know, like it doesn't it doesn't yeah. really bother me. And I feel like the kind of like Dante's confidence sells a lot of the scenes for me where i'm like yeah you know this is this is whatever like i think he's just kind of he he's always walking around with enough swagger that like the stupidity kind of rolls off me i think what bothers me about it is less the 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 substance and more the um amount yeah it's like i just want to play devil may cry Mm -hmm. and the thing i forgot because i you know I'd played this game before. I had actually forgot how much story there was versus just combat encounters. And I think that ratio is off quite a bit. Yeah. Well, here's, here's the thing about me. So I want you to, I want you to guess a number, which is how, what do you think my steam hour count for this game is? Because I was surprised to find this. Well, if I know anything about you, Jacob, is that you're a freak. So I'm going to guess over 100. It it is in fact 50 hours. But that's still, this game takes, I don't know, seven hours to play through, maybe. But, like, my, I've probably played through this game, like, ten times, and every single time except for the first, I've skipped all the cutscenes. You know, and so, like, kind of like Metal Gear Rising, when you do that, the game moves incredibly quickly, and it has, like, nice pacing and whatever, but, like, boy, there's a lot of fucking just, like this this witch explaining how to get from limbo to the real world or some shit yeah and like there's some very good cutscenes. i think some of the camera work in this game is pretty cool it, it uses like handy cam a lot which like mm-hmm. it's not the first game or only game to do that but it's not super often I mean, basically rockstar is the only ones that come to mind with like cool handy cam and i think that they're able to do that because they do literally have someone like holding a camera and right. filming in the performance right. capture studio. There's also like a really great cutscene where Virgil is basically explaining to Dante the backstory of the game and it's all done in one shot and the graffiti around the area where they're talking is changing to show the story mm-hmm. a bit. Like there's some really great moments. And then there are moments where Cat, no offense to the queen, talks for 10 minutes about some shit I don't fucking care about yeah. and it's it's not good. It, it like the writing is not strong enough to often support how much of it there is. Yes. And it can be like extremely boring in the moments where it's not landing. Yeah, I I agree. Um I think that it's interesting you bring up the the graffiti and whatever because there are a couple things that this game does that I feel like have almost become uh like game clichés. But when this came out, were really interesting, or it was doing it early. One of those is having big words appear around the environment, 
which I think uh, Kyle Hilliard loves I, that. I, well, Kyle loves just big title cards when you like walk yeah. into a place and it's like the refinery. Um, yeah, yeah. But this was, I think the first game that I remember doing this was like the Splinter Cell where you were playing as Sam, oh, not yeah. with the, not with the like night vision goggles. I, I don't know if that's conviction yeah. maybe. Um, you know, that game would like it's conviction or blacklist. Yeah, it would write it would write kind of your objectives on the walls. But this has this big, you know, it's like you'll be walking down and then like graffiti on a wall will appear. That's it's like kill Dante. And I think that's, you know, there are a lot of games that do that now. I think it's pretty cool. The other thing is like, I feel like every fucking game now has a dream sequence where there's just like a bunch of geometry floating in the air. I like, I don't know mm. why that's such a common thing for games to do. Maybe just because it's like, relatively easy on a game engine but like this game's limbo which is like the place where you fight demons and it's kind of like this other world is still legitimately impressive in like how much they do with the geometry of the world where they just start like blowing shit apart and everything's floating and there's some sections where everything's upside down or just like weird twisted versions of the real world and I, I mean, I remember in reviews at the time, people were saying, like, this is really cool. You know, this this thing that they're doing with Limbo is great. And it still is. Definitely some of the environments have aged like a, a cup of milk in the sun. Mm-hmm. But s- some of the other environments are still, like, very technically and visually impressive. Like, especially that there's, there's the level, I think, that was shown off a lot in, like, preview footage. And maybe there was a demo where like the level is breaking and expanding and the city is kind of collapsing in around you and shit. Like it's pretty early in the game. Yeah. That is like still like visually impactful. Playing some of it, I was reminded of watching uh the the psych odyssey on psychonauts 2 and them talking about like mm. oh can we make this hallway expand as you're running down it and yeah. it's like man this game is doing so much more than just making a hallway yeah. longer you know it's like they're really when like buildings on either side of you are like moving in to crush you or whatever uh, there's it's really cool there's a lot going on i think something forgot about uh, or, or look not talked about super often with ninja theory which is funny because they they put it front and center of all their stuff is like they are kind of a technical powerhouse for sure like even still just a couple months ago they showed what they're doing with metahuman and uh, ue5 for hellblade 2 and it's like fucking nuts Mm -hmm. how just like photorealistic they're able to push some of their character models in a in a trailer i don't know if that's what the game will look like well but it's like hey i've seen i've seen hellblade you know it's like that game looks i i think this is almost the game that received the least technical, uh, like, evaluation or whatever, because that was kind yeah. of the draw point of Heavenly Sword and Enslaved was how good the faces looked, and then that's the whole point yeah. of Hellblade. Um, and this is more uh, a character action game, so people are focused on, like, how does the sword feel? But, you know, I'm I'm playing this in fucking 4K on my, you know, monitor, and it's like, it 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 doesn't it does not look bad you know it holds up and a lot of the effects and the slow motion and stuff really really still work i mean i think some of the stuff we're talking about with like the geometry and the way the levels shift and everything or like collapse in on themselves like i think that is very technically impressive especially for the Mm -hmm. time you know like i don't think a ton of games especially like 
I mean, this is probably a triple A game, but it's, oh, it's it's definitely a triple A game. But like without like the raw manpower of other triple A games at the time, like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed probably had way more than ninety people on them. I think like what they pulled off. Well, I mean, remember, it's, Skyrim was made by a hundred people. You know, it's like game game studios used to be smaller, and that game feels like it's falling apart at the seams. <laughs> like like this game is technically impressive for like yeah how maybe more modest of a production it might have been compared to other games yeah um let's see there are a couple lines from the opening cutscene that i wrote down um one was that the big businessman demon says i will control the world through debt and then uh the next thing that his uh i don't know maiden weird demon lady says is the world is now your bitch, and so am I. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe the writing of this game is terrible. <laughs> you know what? Okay, I'm, I'm ready to talk about... I'm ready to talk about the, uh, the, the, the messages of this game. Yeah. Which, like, in theory, if you scribble them as hastily written notes in a notebook, and I looked over mm-hmm. them, I'd be like, yeah, politically, I agree with most, probably all of this. The issue with this game is, uh, to use a term... From a friend of the show, Indie Heads Podcast, while discussing P.O.D.'s song, Youth of the Nation. Are you familiar? I, I know the song. Yeah. Uh, they described it as Dumb Guy Woke. And that, <laughs> I think, <laughs> describes this game to a T, where I'm like, look, I get it, and I agree. Also, this some dumb shit you're giving me right now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, they're clearly, so they're clearly going for a kind of they live thing, right? Where it's yeah. like, there is this secret layer to society that the sheeple can't see, where the demons are controlling political messaging, yeah. controlling advertising, all of this stuff to like keep your brain in the system, man, so you don't fight back. You know, so I was thinking about this in regards to Hellblade, and like, you know, I, I'm still yeah, very... Hellblade I, also has an evil energy drink, well, so it makes sense. Well, I, I was thinking about like, I don't remember, I don't know, like, I need to replay that game to know if I think it lands what it's going for, but it definitely feels like it was a smarter approach to its themes. And this game... Sure, yeah. This game surprises me that it... This is going to be a very mean thing to say. I'm surprised adults wrote this game. Like, it genuinely feels like a teenager wrote it at times. And I'm like, like, what are you all doing? It's it's just so dumb, Jacob. Like, in a way that I kind of admire because it's goofy, but it's also, like, it's impossible to take seriously. And I think I think it wants you to take certain parts of it seriously. Not all of it, obviously. Yeah. This is a game where Dante's, like, is constantly like, oh, suck my dick. Um but I think there are parts it wants you to, like, really take seriously and think about. And it's like, come on, dude. No. Like, you you didn't put yeah. the work in to earn that. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's, like, the the worst of it is, I think, this, like, you know, you, you go, everyone drinks this soda. And the soda's controlling people's brains. And you go to a soda factory and you go into limbo and written all over the walls are, like, stupidity lethargy obesity and that's like those are those are like their things and it's like oh this soda it's making you dumb and it's 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 causing obesity and of course that is something caused by a demons in society like that's that's the message and it's just you're playing that and you're like oh boy this you know this is what you're it it really is an i'm 14 and this is deep kind of take and yet we're about to read some review passages, which 
hook, line, and sinker, the story got them, which blew my fucking mind. Oh, please do. I haven't looked at any of these. So, um, quick, quick pulls about the critical reception of this game is it reviewed very well. Um, mm-hmm. There, everyone really loved the combat system, which fair. I'm sure we'll talk about plenty. There is, um, this game has a very smartly designed combat system and just like very smartly designed use of the controller and face buttons. Yeah. Um, It seemed a lot of people wanted to get ahead of the controversy and be like, hey, don't worry about it. This is a good game, Mm -hmm. which like fair, you understand that. And uh, two years later when the remaster came out and they did like a bunch of work to kind of, you know, ease some of the quality life stuff everyone was like yo this shit goes fucking so hard now so all fair points um the, but so the things i was pulling from reviews were what people were saying about uh the story mainly um right so i actually did like this is from game informer joe juba who is our former reviews editor uh, I like that he opens it and is basically like, I don't care that Dante doesn't have white hair, or that his origin story has been retooled. Don't care that he's fighting Mundus. Uh, game stays faithful to the heart of the series. Fair enough. Um, here's IGN's review. DMC is a much-needed departure from the universe built by Capcom. Many lamented the shift, shouting a blasphemy, but the change has only refined Devil May Cry's storytelling, as well as delivered us a more relatable hero that still swaggers like the best of them. They did have issue with the game's length, which was 10 hours or less, which... which Blake, Blake wrote a quote about the game being too short and then put in parentheses, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry. Which, yeah, uh, agree. GameSpot said, the story, for instance, is light years ahead of previous games in the series, where they were schlocky B-movie tales of adolescent fantasy. DMC has a sense of restraint and maturity. Um, interestingly... A relic of Era's past, GameSpot has different scores for different releases. Xbox 360 and PC, they gave it an 8 out of 10. Well, I remember the PS3 version of this game sucked. Yep. That was, like, something that people talked about. They gave the PS3 a 7.5 out of 10. Um, the Kotaku review by Evan Narcisse, which is a very good review, uh, said, One could make arguments that using extreme left political groups as a template for heroism in this game is either a stroke of genius or extreme trivialization. Um, this is where I disagree with some of this review i found the fact that the substack that this this subtext dovetails so well with the series mythology to be appealingly clever secret oppression crushing debt paranoia that turns out to be justified all are elements that will definitely ring true to the people playing this game in 2013 i guess i don't disagree with that i also think it's dumb uh polygon i i think oh go ahead polygon was one of the only ones that was like hey this story's not good like, in the reviews I read. So, mm-hmm. look, I, I don't want to dog on anyone's thoughts. It was 2013. It was a different fucking time. The bar for video game stories was lower. And also... Hey, The Last of out? Us had just released. We yeah, all yeah, 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 the yeah. best story ever told in the video game. <laughs> I also think some of these reviews, and some are by writers I, I quite like and respect, uh, is giving the game way too much credit for what it's doing. Which is, like, it is a free comic book day level of just like political satire and observation what what i will say uh and and i think it is it is important with this context is that the story of dmc4 is fucking dog shit too sure it it takes itself way more seriously than this which is kind of contrary to what some of these reviews are saying but it's like there are a lot of parts of dmc4 that are not even having fun 
and you're watching yeah. stupid long cutscenes. And so I understand as kind of a series pivot where they're coming from, but it doesn't make this game not dumb. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I understand that. I also think like the mornings where I have a solid poop with less wipes are better than when I have diarrhea doesn't make them inherently good <laughs> things that i enjoy or want to look at or you're smell. welcome everyone listen to this podcast on nebula to support us um, i just think we're comparing turns here yeah I, I i do not think it's a particularly uh good story although you know i like some of the cutscenes, and and sure. i like uh you know i like i like the action which i don't know do we talk about i think i think we can you know, a lot of this episode was the series history, and so we can dwell more on the gameplay in, like, future yeah. episodes. But, like, uh, I don't know. Just, like, did... When you picked this up, mm -hmm. did you have the experience of, like, oh, yeah, I remember this? Because I did. I was like, oh, baby, this is no. what DMC plays like. No, I mean, it took to getting all the weapons that I was like, mm -hmm. oh, here it is, here it is. It actually felt... And I actually notice this a lot when I revisit certain uh, stylish action games. It it feels a little sluggish at first, right? Because they haven't, they don't give you all the tools. Yeah, I'm always remembering, as you would imagine, the most powerful mm -hmm. version of the character. So, like, and I actually think they do give you all the weapons a little too soon. I think they should dole them out a little slower because you unlock the majority of them in the same level, and that's like holy shit! Like, it takes a while for your brain to wrap around it. Yeah. But, like, no, the first level was not feeling great to me, but I think it's just because I remember how it felt at the last hour of this game, you know, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, and it's also one of those things where, you know, the majority of my 50 hours in this game has gone into mm -hmm. the the wonderful new game pluses, which are intended to be played through yeah. with all your weapons. You know, yeah. it's like when I'm playing this on, like, the super hard difficulty modes, it's with everything already being unlocked and you know blah 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 i do think though the combat system is great like the way you can switch between this is this is a tale as old as time with this fucking game this is what everyone talked about the way you can switch between between your weapons like literally on the fly between hits the way the game pushes you to use your demon weapons or your angel weapons um the way like co um combo scores are rewarded based on using every weapon you have which you have like four or five six by the end of this game mm -hmm. like i think is really good and they have like made some really smart choices about where to put each thing like having the weapons tied to face buttons and everything like i think there's so many smart touches in this combat system or yeah they're they're not tied to face buttons they're tied to the triggers so it's like you your controls remain oh, identical. right. No, well, you can switch from the axe to, like, the gauntlets on the face buttons is what I'm saying. So you, oh, can, sure. keep, yeah. you can keep switching. Yeah, okay, I get it. My bad. Yeah, which was, you know, and, and, and so I think, you know, what, what I'll say about it to this game's detractors who are not all just crying that Dante is emo, um, you know, it's like, it is undeniably a, a, a more simple system than previous ones and if i was if i was stuck with one devil may cry game on like a desert island you know it would not be this one yeah. because essentially the ceiling of what you can do is a lot lower like when you watch combo videos of dmc4 or 5 you know if you're watching like suny legend uh gifs on twitter like the shit that that they're doing there is not 
you know, it's either not possible in DMC or it's so easy that it's not particularly impressive. Yeah. But, like, what this game does have is just, like, you know, it achieves its goal of being a really accessible stylish action game because i think in general this is like a pretty hard genre to get into you know even even bayonetta which we both love and is easier than devil may cry you still have to play a lot to like get it you know like to actually be able to do cool things and so for this game to let you do cool things to let you have a lot of kind of range to mess around with the combos and whatever without having to like dedicate your life to this genre i think is genuinely impressive and it it you know like it kind of bums me out that this game didn't do super well in sales which we'll talk about like next next episode just because like i think that people could have kind of got it with this game way more easily than they could get dmc4 or 5 or whatever one of the things i think is interesting in your notes here that i want to call out is um You know, Capcom obviously helped out on this project, and uh, they apparently would offer, and this makes sense when you think about it, but they would offer sometimes frame-level details and notes about this game, which I think is, yeah, like, fascinating, and obviously probably, like, crucial in a game, that a stylish action game, that you have to, like, get down to that level of minutia, but it's just mm-hmm. an interesting little thought. Yeah, you know, because it's like, Heavenly Sword was a cool-looking game, and Enslaved was a cool looking game and they both had combat systems you know but it's like the the technical requirements of this and the ability to like cancel one move into another and whatever are like there are things that take years to build up the talent to do and it's like you know it there's a reason that it's not easy to just like make a new fighting game you know like it's like all of this stuff is incredibly hard and technical i mean in the in the Hellblade uh, developer doc, they noted that on DMC, someone worked on the camera for two years, you know, to, like, figure out this camera, which is, like, man, things things take a long time with games as kind of, like, technically complex as this. So, let's close it out talking about our big lover boy. I mean, can we just talk about, like, all the bosses? Yeah, there are yeah, only, yeah, like, yeah. three, really. Oh, I guess, yeah, because the, the first one's bad. The succubus is cool. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, so the first one, the first one isn't uh super fun. It does have a uh I don't know, a, a vulva on its face, which is, you know, interesting enough. Well, it was hard for me to play all pricked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a really sexy first boss. Um that boss is more fun when you play it on subsequent playthroughs and you have all the weapons and shit. Um but then you have you have the succubus, which is the thing creating all of the soda, which I think is fun just because mythically, you know, a succubus is like this hot babe who yeah. has sex with you until you die. And so yeah. for this to be like this big gross slug thing, I just think is like kind of a funny bit. I, I and yeah, I also want to call it again. The fuck you exchange is really good they yell fuck you back and forth there's a there's a part where you kick it and you yell, hey, succubus suck on this pretty very good. good i think in general dante's performance is not very good but he has some moments of really good line delivery and i like the line i like how he uh delivers i'm your prom date you ugly sack of shit <laughs> <laughs> it's a very um, good and then this this scene also has it's like this game is 
you know, it is rated M, obviously, because of language, but it's, like, generally the violence in these kind of games is so over the top that you're never like oh gross you know because you're just like hitting someone with a big axe or whatever but in the succubus fight the the kind of denouement is it goes into this like industrial fan and you see its head get like crushed kind of piece by piece in like really impressively gross you know it looks like some kind of mortal combat fatality i think well i think this fight i i think it, this is another thing reviews called out is a lot of the bosses aren't mechan- mechanically that engaging i do think this fight is like cinematically really cool you are you know once you like beat a stage of the boss you have to go to other platforms Mm-hmm. swinging with the grappling hook which is really good in this game you have a grapple that brings you towards and a grapple that brings enemies towards you um so you're having yeah. to grapple around the arena and then the succubus is then crushing platforms as you're trying to jump away from her like it looks really cool and the whole section at the end is you're trying to get her in the fan as you're like hitting her hands and kind of swinging around it's like it's very yeah aesthetically cool yeah i think you know in in previous devil may cries bosses are they are kind of this this like enormous inflection point mm-hmm. in in such a way that I would almost dread them because they're so hard. In DMC one, I never beat that fucking spider. Yeah, I mean, legendarily DMC three, the first boss, which is this like Cerberus thing, is just so hard. And and whenever I would get to a boss, I'd be like, oh no, this is where I'm gonna be for like an hour, you know, just trying to trying to beat it. And in in DMC, those it is instead a kind of like a cinematic moment. Yeah. I feel like is generally the thing where they do get hard on the higher difficulties, but they are not these incredibly complicated tests of skill. They're yeah. more just like here's a fun big baddie to beat up. You know the thing about DMC 3's difficulty, right? Remind me which way it went in Japan and Europe and probably other territories as well, but like um speaking about the big 3 territories uh mm-hmm. normal was normal and in america hard was normal they flip that's right it. but then they re-released the game you know the special edition or whatever and then you could play the gold or yellow version and then there was something about that that was really weird i only learned all this i want to give him a shout out there's a youtuber he's pretty small despite how fucking impressive his videos are tim with three m's he's a video essayist mm-hmm. who just has like an absurd level of production in his videos. Like, it's, Jacob, you got to check this dude out. Anyway, he has a devil... His most recent video is about the Devil May Cry series, and he details all the crazy shit in Devil May Cry 3 with the, like, release... The different releases. Um, highly recommend. Yeah, I mean, and there's this whole thing with the checkpoint systems in, in DMC, you know, 3 or whatever, where some of them you could infinitely checkpoint, sometimes you'd have to buy an item. This game actually has the same the same item where you can get back up but anyway you know the bosses the bosses are more spectacles and what is a better spectacle than genuinely i think one of the best bosses of the 2010s which is bob barbus yeah it's 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 a little unfortunate that we're this comes in the first half of the game because it is the peak of the game i would say like visually narratively well do, do you remember there's one other boss that is pretty wild that i'm not sure if you remember but i'm excited to get to is it the abortion one? Oh yeah yeah it's the abortion one i forgot about that until uh lunch last week 
I was out with Van Aken. And oh, you from... were eating something that reminded you of it? Well, no, I was out with Van Aken and uh, Ben Hansen, both friends of the show. And I was telling them that this was our next season. And just like in the middle of this crowded diner, Ben was like, oh, all I know about that game is you snipe a baby out of a womb. And I was like, Jesus Well, that I happens. Did. But then there's a different boss related to it. Um, oh, <laughs> I just, I just like, there was like a group of old ladies near us and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Planned Parenthood. Um, Anyway, so, so Bob Barbas is this dude who you have been seeing since the beginning of the game on news reports. Yeah. Who is, I mean, like the closest would probably be Rush Limbaugh, you know, now, now it would be kind of like a. I guess like a Tucker Carlson or like a Glenn Sean Beck, Hannity, but I feel like yeah. the the vibe that it's going for is is most um, uh, Rush Limbaugh, I think, because he's you know he's this guy going on. He's on a uh, something called Raptor News, which is very clearly styled as a Fox News, you know, like that that sort of thing. And he's talking about the actions of of the terrorist group because also we haven't even talked about, but it's like. Dante's squad like Virgil essentially runs this underground terrorist group that's trying to like get rid of the demons um and so they are doing terrorism they are like blowing up churches and stuff but it's because there are demons in there it's effectively they're like anonymous right yes yeah um Bob Barber's name is weird because he's obviously a Rush Limbaugh Barbus Barbus uh sorry because he's obviously like a Rush Limbaugh or whatever but his name sounds like Bob Barker it does. <laughs> Which, yeah. like, Bob Who's... Barker's cool, right? He's yeah, fine. not a guy who needs to be, like, taken down. <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, it, it unavoidably sounds like Bob Barker is the thing. Like, I think it was a bad name choice for this character. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so in the in, in the final couple levels of this first half, uh, you're going, you do this very cool thing where you go, like, underwater you like jump off a bridge and then there's like this upside down bridge and there's like this whole train going over it and stuff i i really love the the aesthetic of these levels Uh, yeah i like when you're upside down and it feels trippy to control dante even though like the controls aren't changed there's something just about the the like um perspective change that fucks with your brain Mm -hmm. that's really cool they introduce the harpies which are as fun to fight as they are fucking annoying (laughs) like i really like the harpy enemy but i also think they get under my skin um good section i like the design of the guy you find down here who's missing half his head you gotta find the eye yeah who's got you know kind of kind of random npcs that you help for like a mission or two yeah but at the end of this mission you you jump into this big broadcast tower and and the first part which is cool on its own is you're essentially in like the opening titles of yeah of the news section where you're like running through the little like chirons and well, whatever that are popping up. It, it feels like when you you see like a three D title sequence, when you see the design of it, and you're like, oh, that's how it's made. Like these are like literal three D objects moving around, and right. and we only see it in two D. Like that is the level, which is like such a cool design choice that I like. I would assume no other game has done because like, why would you just be ripping off this at this point? But it's like, Uh it feels like you're running around like a a Maya editor or something. Yes. 
Um, yeah, actually, you know what it looks like? There are there are Mirror's Edge DLC levels that look very oh, similar to this, okay. but they're not. You know, they're not trying to look like a news program. Anyway, um, then you you crash in and you meet the true demon form of Bob Barbus, which is this enormous flaming disembodied head made out of like TV screens and whatever. Which is, I mean, you know, like. Uh, not to get political, but I do believe that, like, Rush Limbaugh is, like, a demon from hell uh, mm. who is, like, you know, if if you saw his true self, it would probably look <laughs> like this. Yeah. Uh, and so I really, I, I really like it. And then even better is, like, during the fight, you get sucked into these things where you're, like playing but the camera perspective is from mm-hmm. like a news helicopter and yep. you were hearing the news report about you and also he says some things about dante that are like hey, that's a little dante you're a little problematic well yeah i think he's lying no dante you know? seems to confirm at least some of it dante definitely has a line where he's like hell yeah that's pretty cool huh and bob's like whoa he's talking about like he killed all these innocent people well i think the parts the parts that i like because again they feel so fox newsy is they have like interviews with like some random person who's like he had pedophile <laughs> eyes you know, <laughs> the, you know what this it section is... is doing i just saw how to blow up a pipeline and that that, that movie uh, smartly weighed the ethics of eco-terrorism this what this section is doing is intelligently i might say weighing the ethics of being dante the demon slayer and being a little sexual freak yeah i mean it's like yeah because they say it's like he's killed like 60 people and then he's like but even worse he has sexual infections you know it's like he's like he has stis and he spreads them around which is i I, it's just it's great it's so it's It's so like i think it really is kind of senator armstrong vibes of just like here's how you it it, it feels the same as him saying like i played football in college you know like that's that's the level of writing i agree and I, i i adore this fight i do think it's worth saying like mechanically it's not very interesting like for everything it's doing presentationally uh, yeah it's, it's a big head that shoots beams at you yeah every for uh, like how great it is presentationally and like honestly narratively i feel like this is like one of the only fights at least in what we played where the gameplay and narrative are kind of coming together like mm-hmm. it's not a very good fight which is kind of a bummer no but it's not again it's like it's not annoying sure. you know and so it's like it it is all aesthetic and the aesthetic is so good, and at least the gameplay doesn't, like, get in the way of that. Right. Um, but it would be more fun if, you know, it's like Armstrong is fun to fight. You know, yeah. that's that's part of the, the victory of that boss, where this one is just like, ah, it's a big head, and you hit it with the axe a bunch of times. All right, well, you know, wait, is wait, that... Wait. Yes? I got a question. Yeah. Um, the big, the big, the big enemies... The big oh guys. yeah, big how do you babies. fight? How do you fight them? Like I understand you you grapple under their back and it shows the color of the angel or the demon. Like they rush it. You can't hit them from the front. You can only hit them from the back. So you can grapple to them after they kind of fall over. Is there mm-hmm. a more effective way? Because it just feels like I am. I just get caught and like cannot kill them in a fast or effective way. It's so annoying. Like they are combo killers for me. There are a couple ways. Now that you have the fists. If you charge the uppercut, you can launch them, and once they're in the air, you can juggle them a bunch. Um, you know, using okay. using like the the um, scythe or whatever is a good way to juggle yeah. them. Um, 
And so you can launch them even while they're charging at you if you like do the timing right. But also yeah. if you use if you use the red arm, you pull them backwards and they'll fall over. And then you get a couple chances oh, to you know, okay. so it's like don't don't use the blue arm and grapple towards them. Use the red arm and pull them towards you. That, and then okay. they they fall over. That is my issue, because so many of them do have the blue grapple indicator. Well, I think they have both. I think okay. I think it kind of just depends on like which one you're holding. But they are they're still annoying. Like they're they are hard to fight. This is what's more annoying is the my other playthrough of this game, I had them figured out and it was no problem, and I couldn't remember the trick this uh -huh. time. And I've been like so frustrated like fighting them because like I'll have like a great combo going and then when those dudes show up and it's like completely over as so I just slowly hack away at their back over time and I was like what did yeah, I do I, I the first time the best way is using the using the fists to launch them and then just mm. juggle them a whole bunch okay good to know good to know uh and with that thrilling discussion on gameplay I think we're <laughs> we're done <laughs> we're done with our our first first episode on DMC uh, next episode, we're gonna finish this game. We're going to we're gonna fight a fetus. Uh, yes, we're gonna sorry. do some other stuff. Um, and I truly, this is one of those games that it's like we're doing both these recordings in one week because I just want to get off this call and keep playing the game. Yeah, so I got to go out of town for like a week and a half. So like logistically, you know. So no, Blake, we're excited about the game. That's why. <laughs> I just I just like to break down the fourth wall for the listener. Let them know how the sausage gets made, you know? Uh, That's right. Yeah, I'm excited. It makes me think we got to do a Dante's Inferno season because I'm getting some Dante's Inferno vibes. That Man, that, yeah. That game, that game is uh, is certainly a is game it, to talk about. Is it good? We'll get to it in the season if we do on Dante's Inferno. Look forward to a listener. All right. Uh, and uh, until next time, uh, hey, Succubus. Why don't you suck on this? Yeah. Bye.